slash and cast. Fiends to Handle, with Scare presented by the Slashing Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Tonight, we are wrapping up our month-long discussion of foreign originals versus their American remakes. Before I introduce tonight's films, just a quick reminder. Of course, you can follow everything going on with our show over on X at Handle with Scare. And of course, you can join us every Tuesday night for our weekly watch parties for Twisted Tuesdays every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And that is over at kick.com forward slash Drug. Now, with that being said, on tap tonight, we have the South Korean flick A Tale of Two Sisters, which came out in 2003 uh, versus its American counterpart, uh, which is The Uninvited, which came out in 2009. So with me, as always, is my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie. And Zombie, you know, I, I know we were a little hesitant on uh, on what movie to end with because, you know, we were visiting a movie that uh, neither one of us had seen. So we're like, okay, we're going to switch these two, and then we're going to circle back to this one. Uh, and... I, I will preface this. I am not a huge fan of The Uninvited. I, I wasn't on the first watch when I saw it in theaters, revisiting it. I liked it a little bit more, but to me, when it comes to Asian remakes, uh, this one has to be probably the most Americanized movie <laughs> in regards to the cliches, the jump scares, just the overall tone of the movie. Uh, that we've had this month so far, at least in my opinion. Yeah, so... Yes to everything you just said. Uh, also, okay, so I, I think I enjoyed this movie more than you do, mm-hmm. and I, I do it, and I, I've enjoyed it on a fairly regular basis since it came out. I think it's a... Overall, it's a solid film. Now, as a remake, and compared to the original... Yeah, this is another one of those movies where they take a lot of opportunities to go, hey, stupid American, I'm going to make sure you are following along at every possible moment. Um, Now, I will admit, the first time that I saw this movie, I saw this before I saw A Tale of Two Sisters. Okay. So, um, like any other good movie, if you if you see a movie that you enjoy, you do a little bit of research. At least I do. Mm-hmm. And so then I saw that it was a remake. I went through it and was like, oh, well, some obvious problems between the original and the remake. The one thing, and maybe I'm a moron and it's entirely possible that I am, through the entire movie, there was a certain thing that I did not pick up on. And this surprised me, but I did not pick up on it until right when they showed it to you and basically spoon fed it to you. But, um, and I think that's a piece of why I like it maybe more than I should. Um, there's kind of a secret in the remake that was not, it was, I think, subtly enough done that 
I, when it happened, I, I literally went, oh, wow. Okay. Um, so we'll get into it. But I mean, I, another one of those where, yeah, I mean, this is our conversations this month have been interesting, too, because going from, say, like wreck to quarantine or um, going from let the right one in to let me in. Um, I think wreck and quarantine is probably the closest comparison to these two movies um, where I still I, I love quarantine. I do. But I also understand that wreck is a far superior film. Um and in this case, I do like The Uninvited, but I also know that A Tale of Two Sisters is a far superior film. Mm -hmm. So from there, let's just go. Yeah, absolutely. So both versions begin by showing us uh, basically within a psychiatric ward in which our protagonist has been admitted. And right off of the bat, uh, there is a very big distinction between the two versions. Uh, in A Tale of Two Sisters, you really don't have any sort of explanation as to uh, why our female lead is in there. She's not really even talking to her psychiatrist at all, uh, whereas in the U.S. version for The Uninvited, there's a lot of back and forth between uh, uh, Anna and her psychiatrist. And obviously, you know, we, we kind of, like, go a little bit on uh, kind of, like, the advice that her psychiatrist has given her, which kind of comes back to, like, bite him in the ass much later on in the movie. Um, but it's, it's interesting because right out of the gate, you know, we have... Uh, a tale of two sisters who are, uh, you have the sisters who are arriving at their house, uh, where, you know, you have the widowed father who is sharing, uh, basically, like, the house with his new wife. You know, we have, like, this increasing level of cruelty from the stepmother, uh, who is, uh, Yunju, and, you know, paired with that, we also have ghosts of the young woman's mother, uh, creating an eerie atmosphere, kind of, like, throughout this uh, now, obviously, things, uh, kind of, like, start happening outside, and, uh, you know, a lot of things have changed since the death of the mom character in this, and, you know, right out, I would say, like, pretty much almost immediately, you know, we're welcomed by the stepmom, and it's pretty evident that the daughter is, uh, not afraid to kind of, like, self-isolate herself in the face of all the family issues that is surrounding her. Uh, so you have uh, Su Yun, who is the shire of the two sisters, uh, who is, you know, very cautious of the stepmom. Uh, and, you know, she's always kind of like seeking the protection of the older sister uh, in this case. And, you know, obviously with both of these, we, we kind of deal a little bit with like uh, harassment and cruelty by the stepmother character. And of course, that's kind of like its own trope uh, in, in its own right, too. Um, but with the original, they really don't have a choice but to put up with it for, you know, the sake of the father's relationship, uh, with the stepmom. So basically, you have Sumi who makes a promise to her, uh, older sister, obviously saying, like, you know, I'm gonna make sure, like, you're not getting beat or anything like that. Uh, and then, at that point, you know, there's a lot of unexplained things that start to happen around the house, and... At the core level, the supernatural elements between these two movies are done in completely different ways, which we'll get into. Um, and 
you know, a, a lot of that does lean into kind of like the, the jump scare mentality of the remake. Uh, but at the same time, I I can understand for like the the casual audience uh, with the original. The third act of the movie has a lot of layers to it, and it does get a little convoluted and it can be hard to follow. But of course, I'm here to help you guys uh, kind of like walk through the process once we get there. Well, between the two movies, ultimately, uh, right from the start, right into the basic story, uh, right into the basic characters, and, and we've we've talked about this before, and how you take a chance on changing things, mm -hmm. right? And with The Uninvited, it's that there was a fire. Um, you know, the the mother was put down in the boathouse, which... I'll be perfectly honest, if you've got somebody who is, you know, basically borderline on hospice, why do you put them in the furthest building away from the house? It just, that, that's probably the piece that I, like, I think is the most fucked up about the whole movie, that, like, the truly fucked up thing is that you have this mother who is far away from the house and someone has tied a little bell on her hand. That just seems, it, I think it's one of the reasons why this movie set in for me so hard, because that seems so cruel. It just seemed fucking cruel. Um, but then how the mothers are ultimately dispatched, um, how they sort of cling to the story from there and then go on. I, I mean, there are very profound differences in this movie um, from the, I don't know, just talking about in The Tale of Two Sisters, how the husband and wife are like supposedly sort of in a, I don't know. Like, even when the there's, like, a sexless marriage uh, component of the whole thing, whereas in The Uninvited, there's definitely not sexless going on. I mean, there's, you know, the one girl puts on her headphones to try to drown out the sound of the uh, the, the dad and the stepmom uh, getting their freak on. Um, there's a piece of this, if you look at it, um, just from the tone of the movie, from the story being told, and the steps that they take to get to the story, there's a little piece of me that almost thinks that I know that one's a remake, but it's just by a hair. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost not a remake because the stories are so different. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... You know, get into like the uh, like like some of the differences that we we have between the two versions. Uh, you know, one of the bigger things is kind of like the relationship between the two sisters. You know, in the original, you have more of a sense that you know there's a little bit more joy, a little bit more togetherness between the two sisters. Uh, and you know, you you can sense that you know there's love between the two for each other, and uh, you know how they how sad they are when they've been separated, uh, you know, with Sumi's, you know, psych ward stay. Uh, you know, we often see them, like, holding hands in a movie, we see them hugging, you know, they embrace, uh, they do just about everything together. And with the remake, there was just so much tension between the two sisters, and it was a little off-putting, uh, to me because of that. You know, the, uh, Alex doesn't show up, like, right away, and often when she is, uh, you know, kind of like the focal point of a scene. You know, she's often seen as kind of like sullen. She's angry. Uh, at times, almost unlikable. 
Uh, but there's that sort of resentment between her and Anna, uh, primarily for one, not only like Anna attempting to kill herself, because like we do know that she was a risk cutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why she was getting evaluated. Uh, but there's also that sense of abandonment that, you know, Anna left Alex to uh, basically like just deal with this entirely different uh, family dynamic and also like the death of the mother all at once. And, you know, there's just a lot of stuff happening at one time. So right out of the gate, you know, tensions are high between the two sisters in the remake. Don't really have that in uh, the original. And the portrayal of the stepmom, too, is probably like the other vastly different thing for me, too. And, you know, we're talking about like major characters of the movie here. Uh, You know, I, I can't say with the uninvited like there was ever a part of me that like really like bought into the fact that like elizabeth banks is like this uh psychotic murderer you know yeah she could be an outright bitch in this movie uh but at no point uh was i'm thinking like oh yeah like she's definitely like uh drugging up a bunch of people with her her little uh needle kit that's uh you know in the in the drawer uh let alone playing with knives and fire uh couldn't really buy into that but the portrayal of the stepmom in the original is just so frightening in, in comparison from the get-go. You know, we often see her, like, hurling insults at uh, the daughters. She comes across as very maniacal. Uh, even, like, the way that she smiles is quite horrifying. So we we already have, like, an idea, like, okay, like, something bad is going to happen because of this character. And she always just seems to be kind of, like, looming somewhere in the background, Uh, Whereas with Rachel, like, I felt that character at times just kind of disappeared and then would reappear later on. That's interesting, because I always thought a little bit differently about that. I always thought that Rachel was always sort of lurking. And there were definitely some times the the needle kit notwithstanding. That she was, I mean, definitely a bitch. I, I would agree with that piece of it. But there's definitely some moments where it's like, especially with like the pearls around the neck, and then the, and she does has she has a moment where she's like, you know what, Anna, I don't want to hurt you. I mean, and it's like, as a as a step parent, I I would ask my wife. She's sitting right over here, nomin on pizza. Like I don't think she ever said that to my daughter that I don't want to hurt you. You know, so, I mean, I, I I think the foreboding piece was definitely there. And I thought they actually built up Rachel's character pretty well. Um, and for me, honestly, they sold it until, you know, pretty much close to the end until, you know, she ended up in a dumpster. Um, but I think the relationships between all the characters, um, I think for Anna and her sister... Um, yeah, there definitely was a standoffishness that was there, too. But they also had a little bit of, like, Scooby-Doo gang vibe, too. Where it's like... And I think that's maybe the biggest the biggest change for me between the two movies. It's like, we're here and we're going to try to solve this mystery, right? And I think that's how they... At least until close to the end of the movie, how they slowly, like... For her being away for roughly a year... That's how they kind of like rebonded, and as they rebonded with their Scooby Doo gang thing, and they wanna, you know, I would have, I would have got away from it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. I mean, it's, it, it, it it's strong. 
right up until the end of the movie. Yeah, I want to say it was uh, 10 months that her uh, her ward stay was by the time she ended up getting released uh, in the remake. Uh, now, touching on the supernatural elements, which is another thing I was alluding to, uh, basically with the uninvited, it kept a lot of those elements focused solely on Anna. Uh, now, in A Tale of Two Sisters, they kind of like expanded on that uh, in comparison, uh, where the supernatural elements uh, kind of like were leading on to others as well. Uh, so in doing that, there were a lot of times where, as you know, a viewer, we had no idea if it was the imagination of one of the characters or whether it was something far more sinister that was happening within the house. Uh, but at its core, you know, like time and time again this month, we've talked about changing the script too much. Uh, you know, we've seen, you know, two Suspirius credit them uh, really switch things up. While, yeah, there were a lot of like parallels, it it was uh, kind of like its own thing. It expanded on the, the lore, kept us guessing, uh, which was great. Uh, but for me, like with the uninvited is, you know, they... <laughs> They managed to take a lot of similar visual cues from A Tale of Two Sisters, whether it was the bruise marks, uh, like the uh, the blood trails with the bodies, same with kind of like the, the ghost scares throughout the movie. But the problem that I had with it is it, it never really followed through with a similar sort of like explanation to why those things were happening. So it's just like I as as much as I like wanted to sit down and enjoy the movie, it's just like, well, yeah, it's been, you know, 14 years or however many years since I'd seen uh, The Uninvited. But at the same time, I'm just thinking like. A Tale of Two Sisters was such a masterpiece when it came out, it was one of the most like critically acclaimed, uh, you know, South Korean flicks to come out, uh, not just like genre specific, but it was like, also one of the highest grossing at the time. Uh, you know, the, the U.S. distribution rights got picked up almost immediately because of that. But since I had already known what the twist was, the way that they kind of like set it up in the remake felt a lot easier to predict in comparison. But I've completely forgotten with the original at one point they drop the first twist because I was looking at the runtime and I'm like... We're only like 70 minutes into this movie. And I was like, I forgot, like, there's more after this. Whereas with The Uninvited, like, that was like the big thing towards the very tail end of the movie. So, so to see like the runtime kind of like took me by surprise for a moment, just thinking, like, oh yeah. And then I, I couldn't really remember because it had been, you know, since A Tale of Two A Tale of Two Sisters initially came out in the US. And I was like, Oh, yeah, so that's what ended up happening. I completely blinked, and then I was just along for the ride at that point all over again. Well, yeah, I think ultimately the big difference is that there is a ghost element to A Tale of Two Sisters, where in The Uninvited, the ghost element was just a, a function of her psychosis. Mm -hmm. Um but I mean, if you look at if you look at Asian horror, I mean, it, a lot of that actually kind of makes sense. And again, stupid Americans that we are, and we can't possibly, you know, uh, uh, go through and think about all that and make it into something that is something meaningful, right? Um, 
So that was probably the one big thing that they took out of that. Um, because they did have all of those scenes with those right children, the right children, um, especially the little girl with the pigtails, and she was kind of all the always uh, trying to give like hints and things like that and things to follow. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, that was inserted because they got to the end of the movie and you realize that no, it's just part of all of her whatever her mental illness might be. And it sort of took the whole paranormal thing completely out of it. Like, it didn't even exist, really. It was just, everything was a figment of Anne's imagination, or Anna's imagination. And I'll admit, it's one of the most disappointing things in the whole movie, where it's like, there's nothing actually paranormal here. She's just a nutcase. Like, oh, that's sad. Yep, whereas in uh, in a lot of Asian horror movies, that's uh, not always the case, because usually it's always uh, something wrong with the house. Or there's like a death curse, <laughs> like we have seen. Um, I, I do want to say, uh, A Tale of Two Sisters initially had a uh, different extended ending, initially, mm. uh, which they ended up cutting. Uh, so, I, I, I will just say this, uh, in the alternate ending of the movie... Uh, Sumi commits suicide by overdosing on her pills uh, in a way of, you know, hoping to, you know, just reunite with, uh, you know, her mom and sister at that point in time. But yeah, that would, uh, that would have been pretty depressing, I would say. Don't know uh, how well that would have gone over. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not a big change in the movie, though, is that um, they continue on with the mom, you know, in the original, keep going, but you don't find out till the end that both the mom and the sister are dead. Whereas the remake basically ices the mom and then has the stepmom come in and, and tries to sort of rebuild the lore with the stepmom as like, you know, the evil stepmother. Um, and again, as we find towards the end of the movie, it's just not the case, but it's honestly still maybe a piece of why I do like the uninvited um because they do ride the evil stepmother like hard all the way until the end I mean and you know now granted again because we're dumb Americans they give us at the end of the movie a huge I mean a huge um exposition dump where they literally go through the movie almost scene by scene and it's like, I was sitting on the dock with my sister. No, you weren't. You were by yourself. I was doing this. No, you weren't. You were by yourself. Um, which still annoys me because I think the American film viewer is smarter than people think that they are. Um, but then going to the remake and going through and making the, we'll call it the ghost, sort of the, the spotlight figure. Um in the end, makes the movie more fun. It's just more fun. I'm not sure what else to say about it, other than the, the paranormal aspect it brings the whole film to life. Once you know that it's actually a thing, it just brings the whole film to life. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because with the uninvited, of course, we kind of like had that subplot of 
trying to piece Anna's memory back together, and part of that is with the uh, introduced love interest of the story, uh, who actually uh, was there that night, knows what's going on, and in, you know, true American cinema fashion, as you would come to expect, you know, we we go through the ordeal of we're going to set up a time, we're going to meet up, and, uh, you know, we're going to get to the bottom of this. I'm going to explain everything. And, of course, things kind of go awry where, you know, there's kind of a little bit of an accident. So we're led to believe that, uh, you know, Elizabeth Banks murdered the poor boy. Uh, but, you know, we, we also have the thing where it's like with Anna, we don't really know if things are actually happening for real or if it's part of her psychosis. Because at one point we do see... Uh, you know, some body horror elements come into play, which was uh, a pretty cool surprise, at least with the uninvited, uh, compared to, uh, you know, we didn't really have anything like that uh, with the tale of the two sisters. So that was uh, just one particular scene where they kind of veered in their own direction uh, and, you know, probably wouldn't have been a specific subgenre that I would have expected for something that is more supernatural. But, uh, you know, it was a pleasant surprise, uh, to say the least. But... You know, it's just like one of those scenes where it's like, okay, every step of the way, you know, we're going to be like, okay, we're going to give you a little bit of information or just when you're about to obtain it, we're just going to take it off the field (laughs) until like the very end of the movie. So it's just a constant like, like affirmation that like, we're going to make sure that you fully buy into the fact that the stepmom is the one behind everything going on. And there's no other possible explanation. And when you go all in like that, and if I'm not invested in it, that's really when we have a problem. Because if I don't believe what you're you're spoon feeding me, then it's like, all right, I'm basically just waiting to see what's actually going on. And if I already know what the twist is, then obviously, like a lot of the power is just being taken away uh, from the overall experience. But for like a casual viewer. You know, obviously, if you haven't seen the original or the remake, obviously your experience with this movie is going to be completely different uh, com- compared to, like, how we experience it. But I-, I do feel like at the end of the day, there is enough here uh, to warrant separate viewings. But as I said, like, The Uninvited to me is just the stereotypical, you know, Americanized, <laughs> you know, Asian release. And it's just... It's not the worst one out of the bunch, but it's also not one of the best ones out of the bunch. So it's just kind of like you kind of like know what to expect with a movie like this, because it's it's not the rain and it's not the grudge. But I wouldn't say it's on the level of something like one missed call, which would probably be probably the worst one out of a lot. I would say in regards to at least like the Asian specific remakes to come out in the U.S. here. Well, uh- Okay, so yes to everything that you said, but I do think that it's interesting how they they tried to end up building a little bit of a backstory for this mischievous nurse character who swoops into a family and takes over. Um, I did think that was interesting. Um, how they, you know, the 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 nurse came in and like killed all these children because she wanted to take the step or the, the dad stepdad, whatever the fuck, doesn't matter. Um, but just like like how that was kind of like their and again it goes back to the whole Scooby Doo gang that's like they're trying to like you know ferret out the mystery. So I did think that that was interesting. I did think how they used you know 
They found pictures of the deceased wife on the internet with a triple strand of pearls. Um, and then there's a point where Rachel puts a triple strand of pearls over Anna's neck and is kind of pulling them tight. And she's like, I just don't think this is going to work. I mean, so there, there were some good moments in it, like mm-hmm. some good moments. Uh, uh, yeah, but overall, I mean, it, it, as far as the quality of the movies go, um, it, I think we've kind of already said it. I think the cat's out of the bag, literally. There's the cat's <laughs> asshole. In case you wanted to see it. Um, the original is better, and the original is better because it did genuinely employ the paranormal thing, and it was not just one person's psychosis. Now, I know that, like, after the love interest, Matt came to see her, and he sort of folded in half in her bedroom, and his back was all broken. Um, I, 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 some of that they did okay with as far as the scenes went, but the there was a lot of juxtaposition between, okay, here's what I'm telling you and then what I'm showing you, and it was so... I guess predictable is what I'm going with. It was just like, and here's your finishing scene. It was like, uh, yeah, it's like, you know what? I've watched porn before. I know how it's going to finish. You don't got to tell me like right away. You can, you can lead up to it a little bit and make it a little more fun. And the American version definitely just sort of handed it to you on a silver platter. Um, now the, the stepmother going semi bonkers in the end, especially when Anna, kind of escapes and and goes to the sheriff and is like and the sheriff's but no i've heard mildred i've heard that name before was it mildred kemper i've i've heard that name before and you were like oh wait this is gonna get different Mm -hmm. now i'm getting kind of excited and then she falls asleep on a couch and she wakes up with her stepmother and the sheriff pinning her down so she can be drugged and it's like you you had such a great opportunity here and you fucking blew it. It's like you, you could have been you could have been different. You could have shown me something different. And then it was like eh, not so much. But at that point, I'll admit the first time that I saw it, I still thought sort of thought that the stepmother might be, you know, uh, it, evil somehow. Um maybe not quite the Mildred Kemper that they played her out to be that she but that she might still be because they did a good job of, you know, like when she ran away from the house in the car and the stepmother sort of tumbled off the side of the car, they did a good job of, you know, kind of making her stand up and just being like, she had this like stalker slasher thing, you know, kind of in the fog, but sort of, so they did a good job of that, but it's like, there really wasn't one thing that like sold it to me, you know, you know, and you know, going all the way back to the like the beginning of the films and the difference in the mother's death. So, like, you know, the one mother dying in the in the huge fire, then the other the other mother basically hanging herself. It's like I, I don't know. The starts were so different. I mean, I'm gonna say it now. For me, it was like watching two completely different movies. Mm-hmm. They just they just weren't the same. Now I know that one was based on the other, but it was not. They just weren't the same, and. I watched them through two different lenses and definitely enjoyed each one of them for different reasons. Cause I did actually enjoy both of them. Um, but kind of, as we talked, one of them is in story and atmosphere and selling you a plot line, everything else. One of them was obviously profoundly better. 
Yeah, and with the original, obviously, there's a lot more facets in regards to kind of like the unraveling of the of the mind, especially uh, with Sion's psychosis. Uh, and it, and it's interesting too because like I, I feel like in both movies, obviously, we kind of ha- like have this breaking point with the father, where you know there's so many accusations being thrown towards the stepmom character that the dads are just like had enough at that point, then they're just like flat out yelling uh, at, at this point. Um, and with you know a tale of two sisters, a, a lot of it focuses on the. Uh, the stepmom's abuse of the kids, as well as kind of like the dad being really oblivious <laughs> uh, in comparison to uh, the dad character in the remake. Uh, you know, you you have uh, Su Yun, who is basically like the main target of a lot of uh, Yun Chu's ire. And, you know, we, we see that she's giving bruises. Uh, you know, we see her getting locked inside of the wardrobe closet, uh, which definitely comes into play uh, in the very tail end of the movie. Uh, and, you know, it's really not that long after that before, you know, Sumi breaks down to the father about all the cruelty going on towards her sister. And really, like, her main priority here is just to protect her sister. Uh, but her father is constantly telling her that, you know, it's already too late. So that was really, uh, I'm not gonna say it was the first time that we kind of like got an inclination of what was actually happening because there are camera angle shots, uh, kind of like sprinkled in here and there in A Tale of Two Sisters where one of them is in focus in the shot and the other one is nowhere to be seen. (laughs) So you're already, I'm not gonna say it's like fresh on on your mind that it's a, a possibility but they're at least planting that seed early on. And really, even at the very start of the movie, when it comes to, uh, you know, Suyan talking to her psychiatrist, when it comes to the photograph in question, and he's pointing to uh, the mother, and he's asking, like, who is this? You know, we don't really get a response, but it's it ties directly into the end of the movie, which we don't really get with the remake, which is another one of those scenes where it's like, okay, we're slowly going to get there, and then we're just going to pile it on towards the end of the movie. But man, it's just rewatching the original. I'm like, man, I, I got to remember after the first twist, I really need to pay attention because there are a lot of things that happen in like that 20, 25 minute span after, you know, we find out that, the uh, sister has not been alive this whole time. But what's interesting is in both cases, uh, when it comes to the auditions of these movies, whoever ended up playing the main actress had actually auditioned for the other role. But then at the same time, in regards to who's the one having like the mental breakdown, the roles of them are also reversed. Because in one, it is the older sister. In the other one, it's the younger sister. Well, yeah, and I think, again, that's the it, taking liberties with the script and, and trying to change things up and make them interesting enough. And I, for me, I would say that that, that was mildly successful. I, I, I thought that that was, that was okay. I mean, but I think with, especially with the remake, when you go through and having watched it again now, <clears throat> I, I wonder if the moments where they give you... Well, there's a couple of things. 
So there's a lot of movies in the remake where you hear the jingling of the bell. Um, and the older sister, Alex, like looks over her shoulder like she's being beckoned. And it's like, and she's always being beckoned sort of towards the boathouse. You know, it's like, so she's always sort of like being beckoned towards her death. Um, so, but the first time I watched this, that was not, it, it was very, very subtle. Like I didn't, I didn't cue on it. And having rewatched it, this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen this movie, maybe even fifth time. It was like, oh, okay. So like trying to bring, like trying to bring your head centric to like the whirling vortex of what was the death scene. Um, and I know, and I have a couple of issues with like, we'll call it the, the big reveal. Um, but like even between the two movies, um, you know, there's enough similarities where you, you sort of get it. Um, I think in the remake, they try to portray this like brutal stepmother. And while I admit she did some things that were like, what the hell? I also, having seen it again now and like having some time to process it, I don't think most of what she did was that out of the ordinary. And especially for somebody who has spent some time dealing with people that had mental illnesses. Now that I see it now, a lot of it seems super reasonable. So I don't think that she was quite the evil stepmother that um, Anna was portraying her to be. And there's always going to be that standoff like mentality when it comes to, you know, returning home and then the home environment completely being flipped on its head, regardless of the loss of the mom, but just having like someone new there uh, just out of the gate. Um, but I will say, like, when it, when it comes to, like, uh, the reveal of the sister being dead, obviously, like, with the original, it's more, it comes, like, right after the father is yelling at Sumi uh, in regards to, you know, just hurling somebody accusation towards the stepmom, uh, basically mm -hmm. saying, like, you know, Sumi, you've basically just been imagining, you know, your sister by your side this whole time uh, to help kind of, like, endure through, like, the stepmom's violence. Uh, but regardless of that, like, it really doesn't answer every question that we have when it comes to the house, because it continues to, uh, still be, like, haunted by, like, this torrent of spirits, uh, that even, you know, the stepmom seems to encounter as well. Uh, and that's when we really start to see, uh, you know, Sumi's delusions start to spiral out of control even more, uh, like... We have that moment where the stepmom starts to focus on Sumi uh, and stop attacking her and tries to kill her by bludgeoning her to death with uh, kind of like the stone statue. Uh, but of course, you know, the father is there to, you know, stop the attack. And we kind of like have that moment where the stepmom kind of like vanishes from the room. You know, we have that kind of sort of like deterioration type thing. Uh, and... You know, it's it's apparent like both her and Sumi are traumatized by, you know, what's going on. Uh, and soon after that, like the reasons start to become more clear, whereas uh, as as the stepmom unravels, uh, we see that, you know, the father has not returned alone. And like this is like the point of the movie where like, what the fuck is actually going on? Because we see the stepmom, <laughs> you know, who is dressed completely different like, enter the room, you know, she's kind of, like, in, like, this pressed, uh, suit, uh, 
And she starts to talk to who we thought was the stepmom, right? As well as Sumi. Uh, so, in the original, not only do we have the young girl imagining that her dead sister uh, is with her, uh, she'd also dissociated into thinking that uh, she was her own stepmom. <laughs> so, which really explains just the amount of erratic behavior that we had seen uh, from the stepmom in the movie and you know it's just like it's one of those scenes where it's like she wasn't just a victim of you know supernatural forces but really just a poor girl who's grieving out of her mind who's just slowly unraveling over time and then of course later on we jump into the flashback to figure out what had actually happened to the mother character but like just that revelation of the stepmom actually you know, being two completely different things in the movie, again, because it had been so long, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I completely forgot about that. So, like, when I watched The Uninvited, and obviously I watched The Uninvited first because, you know, we were planning to do that on Twisted Tuesday, despite, you know, my ISP shit in a bed completely last night. <laughs> when, when I watched The Uninvited, I was like, I thought there was more to this story. And then sure enough, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That was in the original. But I was... I was still content enough with The Uninvited, but, you know, it's it's one of those scenes when there are always going to be, like, a select few movies that people are always going to put, like, a label on. This one just stands on its own. Like, there's no reason this should be remade. And I'm not going to say A Tale of Two Sisters is one of those movies for me, but it's definitely one that's, like, very close to that, like, uh, distinction and when we get, like, these U.S. remakes, it's just like, all right. When a when you pick up the rights immediately after the first one did so well, you would kind of expect that they would have fast-tracked it, but they didn't. You know, this came out six years after the original, so, you know, there was definitely more time for this to bake in the oven. And at the end of the day, like, I, I just didn't really feel that. No, so... um Yes, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. It is it is no audition. So, yeah, it's because there are movies that are so spectacular that you just have to leave them alone. At the same time, though, I think between this, the original and the remake on this one, they, they have enough differences like they with the the dad and the stepmom. What they portray in the movies is so different. And so, I mean, like. Uh, bipolarly different you know the seems like the dad and the stepmom actually get along real well he really loves her they're both supportive of each other you know there's a point where he asks anna to sort of help her out you know because this is a big night for her um but then the other piece of it is the truly paranormal aspect of it where there's a ghost in the house um i think the remake tries to portray that a little bit but um, most of that comes out of the, you know, the Scooby-Doo investigations that they do. And it's like, so most of that, it's just, they're just, they're adding to the story, but they're adding to it through Anna's psychosis. So it's, and you can kind of see it too, from every time that she, from the diner where she sees a little girl to underneath the stove where the, the, you know, the little girl comes out and it's like, you're next, you know, all the way to the funeral where she finally finds the gravestones of the right children. Um, 
Uh, personally, that whole piece of the storyline, it was interesting, but it was clumsy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it and it was it. I think that was their replacement for there actually being a ghost because I don't think any of the writers or the people that were Americanizing this could figure out to make a way to make the paranormal work. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't figure it out, so they went. Oh, well, obviously that she was a nurse and she killed these. So was that part of it? Great. No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, but still for me, I mean, I. The uninvited is still. It's still fun to watch because there's enough scenes where I'm kept guessing. There's enough scenes where I'm kept uncomfortable, like Anna coming back from a police station and the stepmother, Rachel, like undressing her. That was one of the more like I. It's rare for me to watch a movie and just kind of go like, Ugh. <laughs> and that was, but that was like, that was super icky mm. for some reason. It was just icky. We, we talked about icky before. That was icky. Um, and you don't really understand exactly why it's happening. Um, but then as you get to the end of the movie, it makes a little bit more sense. But um, yeah, I just, but there's both of the movies are effectively trying to tell the same story, but there's such a profound paradigm shift in the middle where it's like they kind of go two completely different directions. And while I enjoyed that, uh, the uninvited tried to hang on to the paranormal part just as a way to more further explain her psychosis when they did nothing with it at the end, it was just like, Oh, okay. I guess this is where we're at. Yeah, I think the part where I I kind of just like chuckled at the idea, at least with the remake, is when Alex is talking to Anna about the bell and what its purpose was for. Because, <laughs> you know, oh, Anna, yeah. Anna initially finds it and uh, is carrying it around with it because, you know, obviously it reminds her of her mother. Uh, but Alex is like, well, you know why she, you know, has that, mm-hmm. right? It's so uh, mom would know. When stepmom and dad were fucking, so you know well, no, they can always step- know when it was uh, for stepmom. It was for stepmom. It was for stepmom's wrist. So, or no, it was for real mom's wrist. So yeah. step uh, potential know stepmom. When they were near. Yeah, if she was walking up mm-hmm. and gonna knock on the door when they were getting in the middle of the heebie-jeebie, that she would know. And that is just, but befo- I mean, I, so I put away. She found it in the attic. That's pretty creepy put away the, the the different times throughout the movie they sprinkled that little bell in but then also at the diner when the door opened and the and the bell rang i mean that bell seemed to be like a super keen memory for her where when she would hear that bell she would remember something so but again i think that was part of the i don't want to call it the exposition dump but a part of like hey stupid american film watcher did you hear the bell <laughs> did you hear it did you hear it? So, I mean, it. like, I got what it was doing, but by the third or fourth time I heard the bell, I was basically annoyed. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I get it. I get it. Thank you. But the explanation from Alex was great. It's like, yeah, so it's in case she's walking up and she needs, I don't know, medicine or oxygen, people might have to stop fucking long enough to give her that. Like, oh, come on. Like, it's just, it just, it felt stupid. It felt tacked on and kind of just like unnecessarily cruel to a person who is, I mean, I already said it. Why would you put somebody who is like on their deathbed in the fucking boathouse to start with? I just makes no fucking sense, but maybe she just wanted to be close to the water. (laughs) 
Well, they, Terrible they, do say, <laughs> they do say in the movie that that's where she wanted to be, mm-hmm. but it does not make a ton of sense. I think if someone's on hospice care, you put them in a very close by room so you can tend to their every need. Not that you have to run down 50 flights of fucking stairs and across a cobblestone path to go out and see if they need water. That just sounds stupid to me, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I really have no explanation for it from the mother's side outside of just like, <laughs> maybe she just didn't want uh, the kids to see her as much in the current state that she was in. I don't know. Well, which, but at the same time though, it, that makes no sense because there's a scene in the movie, and it's just before the whole thing blows up, where where someone hears a bell ringing, and and Alex says, "I'm coming, mom." Mm-hmm. So it's like, I I don't think the kids were inattentive. I think they were being taught to be inattentive to make room for the new stepmom, which I thought was just shitty. I mean, hey, let's be honest here. You know, I'm a 50 year old dude that has a super hot young wife, and I never tied a bell to anybody <laughs> i just let things happen organically okay mm. and it was never it, it was never easy but uh, th- you have to just get there you can't just artificially make things harder or easier than they have to be you know it was almost like sticking the mom out there in the boathouse was basically them just saying like all right she already has one foot in the grave well totally exactly <laughs> so it's like well uh, but see but i think that's that, at least for the remake, is where they sort of start to put the glue on the stepmom being bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like they almost insinuate that she insisted on it. Now, they say that she didn't, but I, I can't even imagine a, a, like a, a live in nurse that would be like, yeah, let's put her on the opposite end of the property next to the water where it takes forever to get there. I can't I can't see anybody who's call it a home care professional that's going to be like, that sounds like a good fucking idea. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) that is definitely true. Uh, Now, going back to the original when it comes to like the flashback and seeing like how eventually everything is unraveled uh, with the mother. Uh, So Sumi's mother had died in the wardrobe closet uh, where she had hung herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there's this moment where... You know, we we have the wardrobe and the the daughter is basically like trying to uh, save the mom and she's like climbing up on it, like trying to like pull it, uh, but accidentally like pulls the wardrobe on top of herself. Yep. And, and the whole thing collapses. Yeah, yep. everything collapses. And obviously, like the the stepmom hears the commotion. Uh, she goes upstairs to investigate to, you know, try to figure out like what's going on. You know, you have Suyun who is crying for help. Uh, but she is stopped by Sumi, and Sumi is just flat out antagonizing her for uh, basically like trying to take her mother's place. And uh, the stepmom is basically just warning her that she's going to come to you know regret her actions later. So you you kind of like have this moment where it's like she can tell like something is wrong. Because, like, she obviously, like, she heard, like, a huge crash. So, like, someone is in danger. But then, like, she puts herself in this position where she's kind of being vengeful towards and spiteful towards the the oldest daughter. (laughs) Because she's being so standoffish towards her. And it's like, all right, well, fuck you. Like, I'm not going to go see what that is then. And then we're just going to go on with her day. And then, sure enough, what ends up happening... 
not not a happy ending to uh to say the least here no neither one of these movies is even remotely full of happy endings um and i you know i think the whole that's probably the dichotomy between the two stepmothers in these movies is that the one is definitely going out of its way to try to portray the stepmother as evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a, a pretty convincing job of it. Um, whereas in the other one, it seems like the, at least the 2B stepmother is just somebody who is, it kind of comes off as, as I mean, stern, but more compassionate and more like wanting to help. Um, but at the same time, you can kind of see it. I mean, I, I was a teenager once. Like, if this would have happened to me, like, I can see it. I can see just, like, turning a blind eye to everything that might be good and trying to turn it into something that's just bad. You know, like, you don't know what you're doing. I'm not sure why you're here. Why are you talking to my dad? I, like, all of it makes sense. Um, but I still, you know, I still say it. I still love the fact that the original did not shy away from the paranormal aspect of things. And, you know, I can't say it went out of its way to make it a hyper-focus, but at the same time just kept letting it claw its way in. Whereas the remake got to a point where it just kind of gave the paranormal a big middle finger. And it was like, nope, there was nothing here at all. This is just a one lady. She's off her rocker. Every Every single thing that you saw was basically explained away at the end. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, I mean, okay, I guess that's a good way to wrap up a movie, but it doesn't make me think too hard, right. you know? And doesn't leave me with anything that I can, like, ponder later. It's like, I'm just done. Movie's done. Okay, we're good. Let's move on. You know, with the original, obviously, a lot of, like, these entities are kind of based off of the delusions of Sumi. Obviously, you have that disassociation of uh, Yunju suggesting that, you know, obviously the ghosts are... Uh, things that you know we're just trying to forget at this point in time, uh, dealing with a lot of the grief, uh, and you know a lot of the blame that Sumi puts on herself for uh, Suyun's death. Uh, mm-hmm. But what's interesting is you know we do have that moment where you know in the final act proves that the ghosts are in fact real uh, because we have this we have uh, Yunju who returns to the house and she's just basically being punished for standing by uh, while Suyun had died where uh, she is uh, resoundingly guilty of, you know, basically just tearing the family apart, uh, even if she did not enact the horrors herself. So by her refusing to, uh, you know, save the daughter, you know, out of the spite, that basically echoed throughout the house. It caused, you know, that tragic chain of events that uh, followed through. Uh, and you have, you know, you have Yun who does get her revenge at last, uh, really just uncurling herself from, uh, you know, the cabinet and attacking the stepmom. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is basically just an act that, you know, frees uh, Sumi from all of the torment that she has been dealing with. And, uh, you know, we do have that moment back in the hospital uh, when, you know, she can feel Suyun's presence and can finally, you know, be at peace at that point. Well, and again, one of the profound differences between the original and the remake, where we get the moment with with the dad and Anna, and you know, Anna is saying, you know, Alex saw it. Alex saw it. Alex had to do it, and the dad's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You no, know? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alex has been dead. She's been dead for a year. And you know this. And she has this, honestly, one of the really good scenes in the movie where she walks up and she sees her sister's reflection in the window. And then as she walks up, then all of a sudden, like, all the bright lights come on. And the sister's gone and she's just seeing her own reflection with a knife in her hand. That was a pretty good scene to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I did like that one. But then again, they went super America and, you know, broke it down step by step and explained every fucking single thing to you. Uh, you know, going back to the hospital in the remake where her therapist comes in there and she's like, I'm, do- I'm doing exactly what you told me. You know, I'm finishing what I started. And it was just like, it, it, it's it, for me, it's like the most profound letdown of the whole entire movie where it's like, oh, Okay, so somewhere in the back of your head, you knew that you caused all this, and you're just... And then they give you that last little, by the way, stupid American movie viewer, the the whole Mildred Kemper, or Mildred Kemp, she was across the hall the entire time. And it's just like, oh, God. I, <clears throat> yeah, okay, I'll tell you what. I like The Uninvited, but compared to the original, it's one of those movies that made me feel stupider for watching it. And... <laughs> I don't, I, it's not something as a movie viewer and somebody who likes to like take these things in mm-hmm. and especially when you have a remake and I, I, I love doing the side by sides on it. I, I love it. I think it's really fun. Um, and for the month that we've been doing this, I mean, we've uh, a lot of really good films yeah. and, but I have, I don't think we've had one that has been as insulting to the viewer as the uninvited it is just flat out insulting. Like you're a fucking idiot and you aren't going to get this. So I'm going to spoon feed you the story the entire time. I'm going to take out this one super important element of the supernatural and just go like, Hey, fooled you. That wasn't actually a thing. Uh, and just, uh, yeah, I, I'm always going to like the uninvited. Cause the first time I saw it, it was, it, it was, it was pretty profound to me, but having watched it again, it's like, it's honestly insulting to the viewer. And it, Insulting almost to the point of being unforgivable, but just this one time I'm going to let it go. You also had the moment, though, too, with the other uh, psych ward patient early on in the movie when, you know, uh, Anna's being released from the hospital and she's just telling her, like, what makes you think they could fix you? They couldn't even fix me. (laughs) So it's like that thought is just in the back of your mind, like, well, what the hell did she mean by that? Oh, so this chick's still crazy even at the early stages of this movie. Well, and if you if you if you think about it later and you are even a little bit paying attention, it was like it almost kind of explained the entire movie to you with those few lines. Mm-hmm. It almost did. Like I mean almost like it, you're coming back, so I'll just sit here and keep your bed warm for you. Right. It like I like no, come on. Um Yeah, I I like I said, I, I, I like The Uninvited. This was the first time that I watched it that I walked away from it being disappointed and being in di- disappointed in the shortcuts that were taken, uh, being disappointed in the fact that it was, it honestly was a little bit insulting. Um, and it tried to cover it up with half naked girls that like to swim. I mean, and it's like, I, 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 and I, I get, I get why they would do that. I'm, I'm the average American too. So I get why that they would try that. And it, it bums me out a little bit that I fell for it for a number of years. But now that I have more of a critical eye, I'm like, 
Not anymore. I can see past those. Uh, I can see past the nipples in the in the wet bathing suits. I can see past it now. And you took this story and you sort of you sort of wrung it out into a in just to this little ball. And you said, OK, I'm just going to give you a fraction of what you got in the original. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was half baked because they couldn't figure out what to do with the supernatural elements. Exactly right. Exactly right. Which is unfortunate, but, you know, that's just a, uh, I mean, really, the supernatural elements is a, just a cornerstone of uh, just ancient cinema uh, as oh. a whole. Now, outside of that, just, I, I will say, I, I really like the color palettes that were used in A Tale of Two Sisters. Um, mm. Obviously, the, the two sisters are dressed completely different uh, with the colors. The dad is, like, always wearing, like, very... Uh, like a grayscale type clothes. He's always just kind of like in the background in that sense. Um, and I will say, like the Uninvited does try to mimic some of like the uh, some of the shots that we do get in A Tale of Two Sisters. Maybe not to, like the same extent. Um, I will say though, when I was watching A Tale of Two Sisters, when we got to uh, the mom, the stepmom being in the kitchen. And seeing, like, the hand come out from under the stove, that made me jump. I completely forgot about the timing of that particular scare, <laughs> and it still got me. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so so it's good to know that even after, like, all these years, regardless of, you know, me knowing that there's a scare coming up, that it can still get me. Uh, so doesn't happen oh, too sure. often. No, absolutely, too. And I, I think for... That's probably the one place where the remake falls a little bit short is that for the number of times I've seen it, the jump scares um, honestly fall a little flat. And they fall a little flat because for the most part, they're kind of telegraphed. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of, you, you can see them coming. Um, you know, for most for most Asian horror and, and, and to be perfectly honest, um, for the, all the things that we've watched recently, um, it, go back to, um, it, uh, what, oh, fuck. Not 13 Sins, but what The Game you? of Death. Yeah. The Game of Death. Um, some of the jumps in that, like, I think even if you were to watch that 10 times, there's a few in there that would still get you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's maybe one of the big like letdowns of American cinema is that when it comes to the jump scares, we, we go so far out of our way to let you know that it's coming. Mm. Maybe the first time you don't see it, but after that, the repeatability is next to nothing. Um, and with the uninvited, the girl coming out from underneath the stove and saying you're next when she chases a sauce can underneath it's, I mean, I hate to say it because it sounds so bad, but they had the sauce can roll and leave a little trail. I mean, like, if, if if you if you could not have been putting out any more breadcrumbs if you possibly tried. <laughs> so it's like, like, just like, come on, just let me. I said this before, I'm going to say it again with American cinema. They don't give us enough room or opportunity to think for ourselves. Um, and that is definitely one of those times where they literally are like, here is the trail. Wait a second. Just wait. Not yet. And then, boom. It's like, oh, come on, just it give me a little bit more work to give me a little bit more credit as a viewer. Um, yeah. I mean, so for these two, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that a tale of Sue sisters is definitely the better movie. Um, it, it, with the uninvited, I would almost call it hyper Americanized mm-hmm. um, and dumbed down to the point of 
where like I hope the homeless guy in the corner understands this because this is who this movie's for. You know, I and same story, uh, borderline same telling. One of them just delivered way better. Mm-hmm. Which shouldn't be too surprised, honestly. We were definitely going to get to a point where it's like, okay, there's going to be one like really big standalone. Um, but at the end of the day, regardless of if you've seen one or the other, you know, both of them are still worth seeking out. But obviously, mm-hmm. if you've seen A Tale of Two Sisters, the the grand reveal, obviously, you already know what it's going to be, but there's just not much beyond that with the uninvited. So if you're expecting like that, that 20, 30 minutes afterwards no. uh, for like a second revelation, it's not there uh, with the uninvited. Um, yeah, there's like five minutes afterwards mm-hmm. and two minutes, two minutes of that is credits. Yep. So they're not going to. Yeah, they don't give you much to work with afterwards. And, but I also think that that's like the beauty of the the original versus the remake. And specifically when you're talking about, um, you know, anything Southeast Asia when it comes to films, there's even after you get the big reveal, there's still a little bit of buildup afterwards. There's still a little bit of something to work with. Um, and it, when we when we, you know, Americanize it and try to retell it. Honestly, it's a lot of times where we've crapped the bed really, really hard. You know, we've talked about um, wanting to see the the American version of Train to Busan because I still mm-hmm. want to see it. Yep. But there's a piece of me now that I've watched enough movies and I'm like, it's probably not going to be very good. Um, I, but I, I still have high hopes. I think there's going to be an American filmmaker one day who's just going to go, you know what, I'm going to do it my own way. God, I don't have a lot of faith at this point, man. I just don't. <laughs> well, some have definitely done a much better job than others, but uh, not everyone can be Mad Reeves. So, uh, well, well, it happens, though. It happens. And at, when it comes to horror, I mean, w- you know, I've talked before. The whole point is to keep watching it. Mm-hmm. The whole point is uh, it, it, as long as we keep watching it, people will keep making it. And maybe it's not going to be great every single time, but I would take not so great more as as opposed to uh, absolutely superb less. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd rather have 100 movies to watch than two because then I can be a little less critical and enjoy this shit more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, looking ahead, we do have the start of a new month next week. So with that, we will be going back to our phobia deep dive and uh next month so throughout september we will be doing uh atrophobia which is an extreme fear of doctors or medical tests and uh i know we started our short list um is there one in particular that you wanted to start with uh for next week uh well i'll tell you what just for my life i think dr giggles is probably where i would start okay um because my dentist does love me. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I put a wing in this guy's fucking house at this point. Um, uh, but so, but yeah, but I, I, Dr. Giggles, it, Fresh is definitely going to be in there. Um, oh, what else would be super, what else would be super, super good? I'll have to think about it, but I'll definitely get back to you. But those are, those are two that pop out to me as like, like spectacular entries into the genre. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you'll have at least uh, two, three, five, ten movies so we can go through. So yeah, we'll start with 
I'll start with Dr. Giggles, because I that one I still go back to a kid. That movie made me afraid to go to the fucking dentist. So um from there, I mean I suppose it although we already covered Little, Little Shop of Horrors, didn't we? So we, did, we can't yeah. we can't like do that one again. That one's pretty good. So I'll go with those two and you you bring to the table with what you got and we'll uh, see what's what. All right, sounds good. And I, I know I'd already mentioned Pathology, which uh, is a pretty unique yeah. one for for that subgenre, and probably one that not a ton of people have seen either. So maybe I have I have not. So you you know me in new movies, man. <laughs> I'm fucking there, absolutely fucking there. All right, so next week we got Doctor Eagles, which came out in 1992. Man, it's been forever since I've seen that movie. Same here, but I know that it 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 hurt me and it hurt me <laughs> on a very personal level. So. <laughs> Right. So with that being said, guys, that will do it for us here tonight on the handle with scare. You've been listening to a tale of two sisters versus the uninvited. I've been your host, Emily Drunk, joined as always by my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie. And we'll see you guys next week for Dr. Googles. You guys take care.